0: Uh, today is 80 Sunday. If you're here with us for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. Maybe you are a little freaked out. Maybe you felt like you're in a, some kind of bad dream from your teenage years, uh, but we're, we're embracing it. I remember back in the day, uh, we had Old Fashioned Sunday. Does anybody rem- old enough to remember Old Fashioned Sunday, where we would dress up back in the old kind of school? And uh, This is basically Old Fashioned Sunday for the 80s. Last, year, last week, we took a selfie. Uh, this week, we're also going to take a selfie. Uh, so, if you want to get in the picture, here we go. Hopefully, this will work. I think I had
1: my eyes closed. Darn it. I think my eyes were closed.
0: By the way, these are $3 a pop nowadays. <laughs> Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Uh, what they say in a song. So we'll have to figure out. That came out a little bit later. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Hopefully you got some cereal. Hopefully you're awake uh, and you look great, by the way. You look fantastic. Thanks for embracing it. I'm going to be honest. When I put this on this morning, I thought I'm going to be the only one there at church. And, uh, but Thanks for doing it. Glad that you're here. We can have fun at church because serving the Lord and praising God is a great thing and it brings joy to our lives and in community. A lot of great things happening. One of those things that uh, you should know about is life groups.
1: Hey guys, I don't know uh, how many of you are in here are in a life group? Raise your hand. Ah, oh, majority of people. That's awesome. Well, we believe that spiritual growth happens when you're intentional about being with other believers. And the way that we do it at this church is we do it with life groups. And we have about 15 life groups right now. Uh, Yep, about 15 or 16. And we would love for you to be a part of one. That is how we support each other, how we hold each other accountable, and how we grow in the Lord. So if you are interested in being in a life group, and we, we are really hoping and expecting all of you guys to be in one, would you please see me after church? I will be in the foyer, and we have them on different nights of the week and on Sundays, so we have them at all convenient times, so we would just love for you to come and be a part of one. Uh, you don't know what you're missing out until you join one.
0: Well, let's stand our feet. Uh, maybe you had some uh, Count Chocula or some, what was the second one? Strawberry... Booberry. berry and you need to, you got that going in your system. By the way, we bought those off eBay from the 80s, uh, enjoy. Uh, shake hands with each other, greet each other. Let's get- this morning, we can have a great time together, and we can get ready to worship, and uh, we can have some fun, but at the same time, we can think about the one that provides the fun. Psalm 16 tells us this as we get ready. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. I, listened to a, I was at a, a concert a couple of weeks ago, and the testimony of that concert was, was pretty simple. I was living life without God, but life wasn't meant to be lived without him. And this morning, I don't know what your week's been like, but I have to tell you some good news. The good news is life wasn't meant to be lived without Him. Let's include Him in all that we do. Let's invite Him this day into this place, this space. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get our hearts just pumped for worship. God, you're so good to us. Lord, thank you for your presence. That is the source of our strength. That is the strength, source of our joy. That's a source of our peace. And we come into this place to sing out with our hearts, to sing out with our voices. God, fill this place. Lord, just saturate us with your presence this morning, God, and we will give you all the praise and the glory. And everyone said, Amen. let's worship him. Apparently in the year 2015, the fax machine is gonna become really popular. Uh, AT&T, just warning if anyone works with them. Little late on that one. Uh, But, and apparently two ties, very cool in 2015. Anybody recognize Needles in that video? He is a uh, bass player for a group called the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Shake if you know what I'm talking about. Flea is his name. Uh, I didn't even know Flea was back, you know, 89, but there you go. Hey, thanks to uh, DJ Sugarboy that was spinning the records this morning. Uh, he's an amazingly talented DJ. If you have a birthday party, wedding, bar mitzvah, personal dance party, and you need a DJ, He's your man. He's going to be around uh, afterwards, and uh, we're going to be listening to a little bit more 80s music. By the way, the 80s, uh, it was a little, uh, we were going through some songs, and we think, oh, you know, music today, it's, oh, it's, the lyrics are, are bad. And some of them, are pretty rough, but some of the songs of the 80s. If you start looking at some of the lyrics, it took us a while before we could find uh, some good songs that we could actually uh, play in the lobby of church. But uh, if you haven't been with us, uh, we have been in this series, Back to the Future, and uh, the subtitle history is about to change, and so we're looking uh, at the movie uh, as a fun thing. But but basically, the, the premise is this, if you could get into a cool DeLorean car, and you could go five years, 10 years, 20 years into the future and get a picture of what the future looks like with your current trajectory in life. If you could get that picture, how would that change the present for us? How would it change the way that we interact or or live our lives? Or what would we do differently if we could get an accurate picture? And that's our prayer is, God, tell us, give us a, a, a really an accurate vision of what that looks like because we wanna be in line with you. The first week we talked about well, God, if you're going to show me what the future looks like, what are some things that I need to start to affect change in the future? What, maybe a habit or a discipline that I need to start that will, that will help those things? And then last week we talked about, we looked at the story of David and Goliath, and we talked about some things that are, are biffs in our lives, things that are, are bullies, that are, are bringing us down and keeping us from what God wants us. And maybe this, the short version of last week is, what do, what's in my way? What's stopping me? And so this week, we're going to go a little different angle, and we're going to look at this, this verse in John 10. So grab your Bible, John 10, and, and we talked about it each week, but the, the verse that we have is kind of a theme for Wilburn, and uh, it's a great verse for us this morning. It's the last verse, and we'll get there in a second. We're going to start with verse 1. John chapter 10, verse 1. We'll read through verse 10. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold Rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gates is the shepherd of the sheep. The sheep, the, the, the gatekeeper, opens the gate for him, and, and the sheep recognizes his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger; they will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use use this illustration, uh, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come, came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, or a full life in some translations. Great imagery here sheep, shepherd. Uh, to really wrap our minds around this, I think we need to take a step back. Go to the Old Testament a little bit. Scott Daniels is a theologian and a scholar, and he gives us some commentary uh, on, on what's really going on here. And, and we have to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now, what's happening in 1 Samuel chapter 8? The people of God, the Israelites, they are demanding. They want a king. They want a king to rule over them. They've never had a king. When they go to God and they say, God, we want a king, what's his answer? I'm your king. I'm your God. You are my people. We have this relationship. But they want a king. And, and, and finally, Samuel comes to God, and he's disappointed. He's upset. And he says, God, these people, they want a king. What do I do? And, and, and God says this don't be dejected. They're not rejecting you. They've actually rejected me. They've rejected me. And give them what they want, but give them an accurate picture of what that looks like. What's going to happen when you get this king? So Samuel goes back. He says, you don't want a king. Kings are no good. They, they, they take your sons, they take your daughters, and they draft them into their armies. They, they they pile on taxes to fill their coffers. They force you to plow their fields and they will make your daughters cook and bake for them. You will, uh, you will take, they will take everything from you and there will come a day where they will, you will beg relief from the kings. That's what he told the people this. So what's the people's response? First Samuel eight nineteen through 20 tells us their response, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even still, we want a king. Kind of, you know, put a Veruca Salt, Willy Wonka voice here. We want a king. Then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. We want a king, daddy. We want a king. That's kind of the mentality of what we're hearing from from God's people. And so basically, God gives them what they want, gives them a king. And this starts kind of a history for the people of God and guess what happens? Kings do things for themselves. They, just like he predicted, you take your sons and daughters, we'll tax you to fill your coffers, we'll, we'll change your life. It's actually, if you think about it, the game of chess, about a big chess player, don't, not very good at it, in fact, uh, and uh, anyone can beat me, but I know a few things about chess. It's all about the who in chess. It's all about the king. Everybody is, 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 is the goal is to keep the king alive, right? I mean, everyone is sacrificed for the king, the pawns. Even the queen is, gives her life for the king. And even the bishop, which is a little uh, weird, goes out and fights for who? The king, it's all about the king. And, and the people of, of God, they see this, they, they get a picture, and unfortunately, it's not a good picture. That begins a, a rough patch for the people of God. But something happens. The prophets come along, and they start to give us a different picture of what a king can look like. They begin to paint a picture of a a king that's different. A king, and this is where we begin to hear the language, that looks like a shepherd. One that looks kind of like this. Remember that kid David? He's kind of like a shepherd that, that cares for the flock. Remember the story of David? He, he protects the flock from the bear and the lion, the one that even knows the flock by name. Kings don't know the people by name. They're just pawns in the kingdom. But this shepherd knows the people by name. We begin to see this picture in Ezekiel of, of what this, this, this God, this new shepherd looks like. And he be, even says, I will be your shepherd and you will be my sheep. So he's transforming what this whole kingship looks like. The second part of this is, is this that we need to know. Is this, at this point, when we get to the place of captivity for the people of God, they're scattered. They're scattered all around. Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he basically takes the people and he's conquered the people of God because they've, they've turned away from him. And what, is, what does this Nebuchadnezzar do? He doesn't want the people of God to form back up, to rise back up and to come and destroy him. So kind of like he takes families and he just, any coach probably in this room has done this before. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And he says, okay, ones, I want you to go all the way to that region. And twos, you go to that region. And three, you go over here. And what he was doing here is this. He was separating the people and and families from each other. So no text messaging back there, no phones. There was no communication of like, okay, let's get together and get him. They were separated, divided, so they couldn't conquer. And so the people of God were scattered all around. So you see what's happening. This shepherd gathering this imagery is all coming kind of coming together. And it brings it together perfectly in this John chapter 10 passage. And he he says this thing. He says the people are like a a sheep fold. And that's a weird term for us. We're not really into, we don't know much about sheep herding. I don't. Maybe you do. But this is what a sheep whoa, that's a very fuzzy chessboard. Um this is what a sheepfold looks like. They're circular or sometimes they come in, in kind of squares and, and they're, they're closed all around except for one opening. Got it? Got a picture for us? Now, what he's saying is this. He's giving us this image of a sheepfold. Head to the next one. And he basically says, I am the gate. The shepherd is the gate. Jesus is the gate. No one comes through the sheepfold except those who come through me. Get the image now. And if you go over the top, thieves and robbers trying to pick off the sheep. That's what he's kind of given us, this image. Now, I don't know much about shepherding. Never done it before. Never had one of those cool staves, except when I was about eight in a Christmas program. But I do know about dogs, and I love dogs. Not so much cats, this section over here, but dogs are awesome. When I was a kid growing up, my mom not let me have a dog. I had sisters and they replaced the dog in the family. And uh, so when I got out of the house and got out of school, I was like, I got to have a dog. I had to have a dog. And so we actually, we were at a meeting one day, Melanie and I, this is the first year we were married and we were learning about NYC. And the guy that was there said, hey, I've got a dog and I need a dog home for it. And we kind of had that moment. We looked at each other and like, I think this is gonna be our first kid, and it was birthed into our family was Peyton. Yes, she's shepherd boxer mutt mix, and uh, when we we got Peyton, we actually lived uh, in a parsonage uh, at uh, on the church grounds in Florida. It was fantastic. She would just she had tons of space. It was, it was right down by a busy road, but she had space to the church, and she kind of knew her boundaries. She would run all around, just crazy energy, crazy, crazy energy. Cray, 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 Michelle. It was just, she was so excited all the time, and she would get really excited to see us. I mean, when we would come home, she would run around the house, and the tail, blah, 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 blah. No feeling at all on that tail, I mean, it just was like a numb uh, stick, and when the kids came blah 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 blah, it was fantastic uh, just dogs are, are, are great they 're just great they 're just such a lovable animal. They just come and cuddle beside you and just love scratch your belly and uh, well, I got a call one day it was a terrible call uh, the The dog was actually about six years old when we we adopted her and the, the previous owner was a woman who had moved into an apartment. She was young. She moved into an apartment. She couldn't have a dog in the apartment. So we, we got this awesome dog. We were so excited. About a year into owning the dog, she calls me up and basically says, hey, I want to come and visit Peyton. And she lived about 45 minutes, and I want to bring my, my, uh, my son with me. Because she the son was young baby age, and so it was it was a little that was another good reason to get rid of the dog. Son was a couple of years old, three or four, my guess. And she began to elude the the fact that she wanted the dog back on the phone. And something kicked in inside of me, and I was like, "Ooh, I don't I don't know what to do here. I don't know what the right thing to do is, but I know that's my dog, and I don't want to give that dog up." And so she shows up, invited her over. And uh, the kid uh, play, petting the dog, and the dog just, I mean, just all the time. And so really exciting kind of moment for the, the reuniting kind of thing. And, and uh, she says, you know what, I think the dog, it'd be great if, if my son would, would take the dog for a walk. It's like, not a good idea, lady. I don't know, it's been a little while, but this dog is just, and so she takes the dog. She's like, no, I think he can handle it. Gives him the leash. Immediately, Peyton sees a squirrel. Ooh. that kid was like, ver- like parallel to the ground. And you know, you have those moments where you shouldn't laugh, but internally you are laughing. I kind of had one of those moments. There was no bloodshed, uh, a lot of bruises. Uh, and that kid just, bloom, bloom, and he wouldn't let go either. It was just like, bloom, bloom, bloom. And, you know, the, the little boy gets up, he's crying, and his big tears, and bad dog, bad dog, and whatever thoughts of keeping that, wanting that dog back evaporated, and I was like, yeah. but the dog was amazing. I love that dog, and, and what it would do is, I told you about the parsonage, he would just, I would literally just open the door, and there's this busy road over here, nor the road, he would run, sprint for three or 400 yards, just all around, chasing things, it's loud, it's crazy. And I would just shut the door and go to the bathroom. I didn't have to worry at all. Go to the door. Peyton! Peyton! Two, t- p- two yells. No matter where that dog was. Just, it, the, the dog knew my voice and just <sniffs> ran. Too bad our kids don't act that way. Uh, <laughs> but just ran toward me and just, ah, oh, just, just great. I mean, it was terrible when we... We had to put Peyton down. It was just, this dog was so lovable. I mean, it just was amazing. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. In a world full of lots of different noises and voices that are out there, the sheep know the shepherd's voice, and they follow him. I was uh, at camp in South Carolina. My first year as a youth pastor there in South Carolina, and I go around the corner at a campground. The campground uh, is right about a mile away from some chicken coops, very smelly. I don't know if you've ever been around chicken coops, very smelly place. In fact, one of the dorms was Stooky Dorm, Is that was the name of it. Uh, unfortunate that a gentleman's name was Stooky, but that was the name. And I go past Stooky Dorm. It's the very first day of camp, and I hear this voice and sobbing. You could just hear the crying. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard crying so loud. It's like you can almost hear the, even the snot that's, that's coming. It's just, ugh, it, it was brutal. And so you go around, and I see this, this head just buried in arms. Her name was Ashley, a girl from our youth group. And I go up to Ashley, and I just sit beside her and just try to, you know, distinguish what's going on. And, and basically through the conversation, I found out that uh, she was going out with this guy from another church. And they'd been going out for a little bit. There was another church on the district. And through their relationship, basically told her everything that she wanted to hear. And uh, got to a point where the words that came out were, well, if you love me, then you'll do this. And uh, if you love me, you'll sleep with me. And uh, because, you know, the voices, she believed him. Also, the things like, well, we're going to be together forever right at 17 you you believe those things and uh so she believed him and they 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 slept together and she comes to camp just days after this whole thing has happened the next day after that event that after he convinced her she broke up with her and you come to camp together with a whole bunch of people another church and what is he doing on the very first day of camp he's telling everyone And so she has this moment, basically, where she's encountered uh, just, I mean, just awful. I mean, you can just feel that judgment. I just remember it that day. And I have to tell you, I wasn't a father yet, but in that moment, something, something raged inside of me. I was, uh, I'm not a, uh, I don't think I've ever been in a physical fight before, but it almost went down (laughs) that day, okay? Like, it just, like, raged inside of me. I wanted to find that kid. But something else came inside of me. I just... I, I knew in that moment that I had to get this girl away. Like, I had to get her off campus. And this is totally unlike me today. I'm, I'm very—staff will tell you this. I am just not very—I don't do one-on-one with anyone, uh, especially female. Uh, it's just not—I have those rules. But I knew in that moment I had to get that girl out there. And so I, I took her—I I told another sponsor, said, hey, I, I've got to take Ashley. And I can't tell you about it now, but we're going to go. And I found the nearest McDonald's. And she's just weeping and sobbing. And she's just going through, I feel so guilty. I feel so, like, just just used and feel like trash. And I just, and all I could think of in that moment is to remind her who she is. I said, Ashley, God loves you. He loves you so much. (laughs) I know that it hurts right now, but he is hurting with you. He is the God that that loves you, that wants to forgive you, that wants to wash this away. And I know it's hard now, but you are not alone. I am with you. And more importantly, he is with you. And that was the beginning of redemption for her. Great story. She ends up marrying a youth pastor later on. The, the conclusion. We hear a lot of voices, voices that want to tell us different things. There's voices in this world. That they want to bring us down. they they're tell us lies. they try to convince us things that, that aren't the truth. Voices that are, are selfish and voices of pride. Voices that have their own interest in mind. Voices that, that are just the wrong things that want to separate us from God that want to bring fear. They're voices that want to create condemnation for each one of us or this feeling, feeling of failure. I love what Henry Nouwen says. He says... When we have, to, we have to come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable, when we have, come, we, when we have to come to believe in the voices that, that call us worthless and unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as the attractive solutions. The real trap, however, is self-rejection. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved expresses the core truth of our existence. Listening to the wrong voices can, it also can lead to some spiritual extremes. From from being a Pharisee or being a legalist to being someone that, that grossly misappreciates the grace of God. Listening to the wrong voices, they can lead to pride, they can lead to pain in our hearts, they can lead to that moment, and I've been there before, where you go, how in the world did I get here? How did I get to this place? How did things get this bad? Listening to the wrong voices so how do we hear God's voice how do we hear God's voice in this world what does it sound like does it sound like Morgan Freeman does it sound did you see Jimmy Fallon a couple weeks ago Morgan Freeman and he was they was sucking in helium hilarious uh, you can YouTube it this afternoon but it, it, his voice in this world is is very hard to hear because it's a chaotic loud world that we live in but God is speaking he's speaking today Jesus loves me This I know Great song For He's speaking to Bible us But there definitely tells is me so. Some Some noises right We're <coughs> all around We hear them at home We hear them from friends TV To work Good things We can create chaos in our world. Things like kids that are blessings from God. But man, those things are loud, aren't they? School, friends, boss, just everywhere. It gets so loud that we can't even hear the voice that we should be listening to. But what if we could peel some things back? We could bring the volume down. We could find a place And his voice He wants to speak. He wants to speak. Things are loud sometimes, aren't they? We can learn from the master. What did the master do? We see it over and over again. What does he do? Before daybreak, Mark 1, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went to find him. And when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. Have you ever felt like that? Everyone is waiting for you and looking for you. Where have you been? But Jesus, Luke 5, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke 6, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night, the first lock-in. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples. He would go away. He would go to places, to mountainsides, to gardens, to different places, and he would pray. He would find space. And for us to hear God, we need to be intentional. To hear and know the voice of God, we need to learn how to create intentional time and space that is dedicated to that. Now, I have to tell you, when I was growing up, this space that I'd always heard about was by your bed. You remember that? By your bed, on your knees, arms folded, eyes closed, morning and nights. okay? Now, for me, when I got to that position, great position, if that's your position, fantastic. Shh. I would fall asleep. I'd fall asleep. I mean, I'm just being honest with you today. I'd fall asleep in that. And I would, dear Jesus, thank you for that. So I found myself actually on the bed, face down, slobber in the nose the next morning. Slobber, we all slobber, it's okay. But that, that, that didn't work for me. That, I'm just confessing, it didn't work for me. I mean, I, can, I think that I'm kind of borderline ADHD something. I don't know. But I need to move. What I've found is the space that's best for me is with movement. I need to move. When I was a kid, it was shooting basketball. I would go and find a basketball goal. I needed to be by myself, not with anyone around, and I would just begin to shoot. And in that time, it just was something happened. I know it sounds strange, but I just would felt the presence of God as I began to just talk to him and just spend time with him. I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what your space is. Nowadays, sometimes it's running. When I go to run and I'm filling my, uh, uh, my head and my heart with, with worship music and with the Word, it just begins to just create this space. Sometimes it's driving in when I'm listening to different things or just turning everything off and in just the silence. Man, we don't have much silence, do we? Uh, it's so loud. Sometimes we just need a space for silence that's there. We need that space. Mel and I, we try to have date nights pretty regularly. You need that time to connect with someone that's like, and we love, probably the best thing about date night is the minute we get in the car, the babysitter's in the house, and it's just like, let's just stop. Isn't this fantastic? There's no noise. It's great. But it's the time we try to connect on a daily basis, but it's a time just to to connect with each other and, and not just listen, but to hear each other. To really hear. I mean, don't we hear that when we we talk, see marriages that, that aren't working? Just don't, just don't, doesn't listen to me anymore. She just doesn't listen to me anymore. What they're really saying is what? Just doesn't hear me. Just isn't hearing me. And here's our caution, our warning. There are some that have been in the church for a very long time that have been listening but not hearing the Lord very much. It's been a long time. Because we need to have time. We need to have intentional space that's there. To hear and know God's voice, we need to be continually immersed in His Word, to be continually just immersed in God's Word. I went to Guatemala 10 years ago, and when I was there, uh, I had an opportunity to uh, weld with a, a local uh, Guatemalan guy, and it was a great time. He didn't speak a, a lick of English, Okay. And it was just one-on-one thing. I had no interpreter, just me and him. And you know, in that moment, you're like, okay, uh, I had Spanish. I, I'm thinking like eight years ago, I didn't do very well. I've got like a handful of vocabulary words in my mind. We need to try to connect with those few words that I have, okay? Ninos, uh, uh, me llamo es Mateo, um, you know, throw out, banya, bonita, muy bonita, <laughs> feo, I remember that one. Uh, so you start trying to connect. And I'm trying to put together sentences, and we're finding like, commonalities basically in children. We're trying to talk about our children and, 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 what, and his children and, and, and what that looks like. But I have to tell you, we, we went to Antigua, which is down the road. It's kind of a, um, a touristy place. And I was looking at one of the churches, and I looked down. It's very high up uh, on the balcony area, and there's these little tent-like areas. It's just one-on-one tables that were there. And I'm asking the guy, to say, what's going on there? I just see these two people that are together in these different, like, little places. It was almost like a really uh, cool school. And exactly that's what it was. It it was a language school where people would come in, and and they would come in and actually immerse themselves in the culture. They have like a Spanish lesson but that wasn't the real lesson it was they were actually living with families there in Antigua and they were going to shops and they were they were just they were basically immersed in the culture and so became a part of who they were and and that's really what we need we need to be immersed in God's word and and that it just flows out of us that we connect with God because that is the biggest way that he speaks to us And I have to say, I was convicted this week. I I, I read a a quote from Francis Chan. And it's, it's fantastic. He says this Revivals begin when a leader passionately wants to know the heart of God. When we want to know the heart of God, when us as a community, we seek to know the heart of God, revival will happen in our families, in our community. When we want to know God so badly, revivals end. Revivals stop when we try to to learn and know more about the leader. I don't know about you, we have some great resources that are out there. We've got podcasts, and we've got uh, worship availability, and we've got things that we can listen to in books and blogs and so much stuff, and we can get so much consumed with the people that we forget the one who inspired it all, the one who gives the truth, the one who gives life, the one who guides us and directs us along the way. To hear and know the voice of God, we must follow wherever He leads, wherever He goes. When He calls, when He speaks to you, be obedient. When you hear that still small voice, when He says, "Go and do this, try that," I'm stretching you here, but I'd like for you to do this. A couple of weeks ago is actually Christmas time. Strange thing, I I happened to go by the ATM, which I never have cash. I get 20 bucks out of my, my wallet. I go to get a Christmas tree with Noah. And I just had one of those moments, bought a Christmas tree. I don't know how much it was. It was like 40 bucks, uh, something around that neighborhood. And uh, when you buy one of those things from those places, uh, they cut it down for you and they throw it on top of your car, which is fantastic, okay? Takes about, I don't know, three minutes. In those situations, I never know what the tipping amount is or what you should tip. Is that a part of the deal? But I just had one of those moments where like, you need to give him that $20 that you just got out in the ATM. And I was like, I don't think that's how much you should tip. <laughs> you know, you had those conversations, but it was as distinct as it can be. You need to give that $20. And I kind of was going through that dialogue, you know, that's kind of a lot. I can use that for something else, you know. But it just, I just knew it. You know, you just have those moments where you just know that God is speaking. He's telling you to do something. So I just said, okay. And I, I go and just try to make it as subtle as I could, the quick handoff, you know. And he, he gets the money. He look, He kind of has that peak. You know, when you get tips, you know what I'm talking about? The, the peak of like how much, and he just stops and he turns around and he just makes eye contact with me. And I didn't have to say a word. I knew, I didn't have a clue what was going on in his life, but I knew that that was intentional. We have those moments where God speaks so clearly to us. And when we are obedient to those things, oh, They're they're great moments. Those are moments when the voice begins to begin louder and louder in our lives. But if we ignore the voice, if we ignore God speaking to us, his voice becomes more and more silent, more and more distant. There's good news today. Good news. God is speaking. He is speaking loudly in this world. And some of you today, you would say, it's been a long time. If you were honest, it's been a long time that I've really felt connected or close to, to the shepherd, the one that, that calls us out, that leads us, that guides us. There's a movie. I was flipping through the, a couple of weeks. I don't know if you ever channel surf, but USA, TNT, and that range on the, the, video, on the, the channel thing. There was a movie I'd never seen before, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Blood Diamonds. I don't know if you saw that. But basically the story about Blood Diamond is this, this uh, guy uh, set in uh, Africa in the late 19, uh, 1996 kind of era there. And uh, it's war zones in Africa, specifically Sierra Leone. And uh, people are using uh, diamonds and other things uh, to trade. And it, it's just a terrible civil war time. And the most horrific thing that's happening during this time is, is child soldiers are being taken from families taken from families, kidnapped, and forced to do horrific things. Like one of the first things they try to get a kid to do is to basically hurt or kill someone in their family because it just begins the numbing process, the brainwashing process that these warlords are trying to enforce on these children. Awful things, sexual abuse, forced to have a sex with some of the the. Uh, men of, of the of the army. Just terrible, terrible things. Basically just capturing these, these kids and brainwashing. There's the end of the movie and it just is a powerful scene where throughout the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio has been looking for this diamond. But there's another character and basically this guy named Solomon, he's been looking for his son. His son has been captured by one of the warlords and has been forced to do horrific things. And so all at once, this kind of all comes together at the end of the movie where they find the diamond but Solomon finds his son at the same time. Here's the scene. Dear what, do you do? Dear, what are you doing? Dear, young Nyangbe, what are you doing?
1: Belagia Vandi of the proud Mende tribe.
0: You are a good boy who loves soccer, on school. Your mother loves you so much.
1: She waits by the fire, making plantains, and red palm oil stew with your sister yonder. And did you baby? the cows wait for you. And Babu, the wild dog who wants no one but
0: you. Hmm? I know they made you do bad things, but you're not a bad boy.
1: I am your father who loves you. Come with me and be my son again. Mm.
0: Mm. The voices, they make you do bad things but you are not a bad boy we have a shepherd that is seeking out that is searching for his sheep his sheep they know his voice they know his voice but this shepherd is different than all the other kings all the other kings they're just view us as pawns in the game They view us for uh, the sons and daughters that can be given to war and other things. But we have a shepherd that seeks and calls out. And he knows you by name. And today, I want to remind you that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. You are a masterpiece to him. You are his workmanship. Created in advance, works for you to do. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. He knows you by name. He's seen every moment of your life, and he loves you the same. His love is not like our love. Our love is full of conditions. His love is unconditional. He is the God that is willing and wants to wipe the slate clean. He doesn't want our lives to be full of guilt and to be full of shame, but he is the one that fills it with love. He is the one that fills it with hope and joy and peace and kindness that this world, let me tell you, knows nothing about. That is the kind. That's the kind of shepherd that we have. In fact, if you keep reading in John chapter 10, what does it say? It says this The shepherd, what does he do? The good shepherd, he sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when the wolf sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus sacrificed his life for us so that we can have life and have it to the full. And today we come celebrating, being reminded of who we are in Christ, what he has done for us. He took some bread. He took a cup. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which was shed for you. And grace abounds in our lives today. Let's pray. God, you're so good to us. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for being a God that has called us out by name, who does not give up on us, who reminds us today that you are our Father. You are the one that loves. You are the one that seeks, and you don't give up. You don't give up. We hear your words, Lord, and we are so thankful. Help us to remember who we are in you, God, and to live that out. Today, we take this bread. We take this cup. Lord, we're reminded of your love. God, help it to soak into our hearts and to believe you, God, and to believe you. We want so badly to have that. Lord, we love you, and we praise things in your name. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in the psalm that we heard earlier, and, and I want you to take a few minutes. Don't, don't rush. I want you to listen to the words of the song of, and just hear God's love and feel God's love for you this morning. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care where you're at today. God loves you and he is calling out your name today. When you're ready, when you feel like you're you, you, you connected and you, you, you feel good, come and take, uh, take the elements, take the bread and be reminded of, of what God's done for us. You dip it into the, the cup And then partake of that. If you're gluten-free, there's a a table over here, and we want to welcome you to that now. Let's worship him by taking the elements this morning.
2: It's good to be in worship this morning, isn't it? Well, got a few announcements for you this morning. One of them is, and by the way, I'm referencing the original 80s Palm Pilot. I have notes written on my hand. Uh, we are bulking up life groups this Wednesday. We have actually two new classes uh, that are going to be offered, as well as a ladies' Bible study, which is going to be incredible. So, especially if you are a student or uh, parent of a student, you can drop your student off, and then there are classes and options that are available for you, uh, starting on the twenty-fourth. Starting on the twenty-fourth, and ladies, uh, you have a Beth Moore. Bible study uh, this Saturday. So just reminding you about that. If you are interested and haven't signed up yet, then talk to Miss Carrie back here in the awesome outfit um, that is shiny. She can wear that. She can rock that on any Sunday. That'd be great. Um, it's good to be here this morning. It's good to be here and, and to, to worship with you. Um, as we are leaving today, you know, Pastor Matt was talking about hearing the voice of God. In the midst of all the chaos. And what I want to challenge you with this week as you leave is to find that place. To find that place where you hear God in the midst of the chaos of this world. And so as you leave today, may the God who speaks to us in the midst of the chaos be with you and bless your life as you open your ears and your minds and your hearts to hear them this week. Bless you. You're dismissed.